That's why it's just better not to eat like past. Like if you eat past dinner time, then it's not really beneficial. It doesn't. I mean, somehow I lost all this weight by like not really changing much. Like I've eaten healthy, but I still have my moments where I get home and I'll make some cream cheese and bacon <laughs> and some stuff that it's a little unusual to be eating at that time of day. Oh, you hungry? You gotta eat. I don't think it's, it's moderation. It's, a, it's the person that has the slice of cake at 2 o'clock in the morning, and it's the person that has half the cake at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's, I guess I know moderation, because some nights, I think the other night I came home, and I was like, I was hungry, and I should have just, my mind's telling me, like, yo, what did we talk about before this? Like, you're not supposed to eat <laughs> at 2 o'clock. Like, what are we doing? So then I'm like, you know what, forget all that. And I, I pulled out two bagels, some cream cheese. I was about to make some breakfast at like two in the morning. And I was like, you know what, let me put this one bagel back. It's two, two is a little excessive, but I could, I could do the one. <laughs> nah, man, it was, a, it was the other day. I had the Lego My Eggos. I had like six waffles and like, Two sausages and two pieces of bacon. I was like, bro, I don't, I, I don't. Hungry man special right there. <laughs> I was like, I'll, I'll go do some uh, the push-up challenge after this. It'll uh, get rid of some of those uh, calories. <laughs> Welcome back. We have another moment of the Bench Mob podcast. You have your boy here, Mr. Still Not Worry, underscore zero miles, underscore 8024, here in the building. Um we on doing a night show right now. How you feeling over there, Brody? Feel good, you know. Gyms is back open, or gyms are back open, and look, I'm I'm trying to get ready for 2021. Let's see, it starts now. I'm trying to get ready for that summer when you know maybe we get let out from this whole quarantine, take the mask off, all that. We'll see what happens, but trying to get that summer body ready. Yeah. <laughs> Shirtless summers 2021, calling it now. Shirtless summers. <laughs> Recapping, um, we got tonight going on the Raptors, Celtics, game seven. Uh, has not happened yet. We're about to watch it after this. Um, but Raptors were able to force a game seven in a crazy double overtime game. Um, thoughts on the Raptors being able to push it to seven. I know we was talking about, hey, they would need Siakam to show up to be able to push it to seven games, but – they was able to do it in a double overtime thriller, 125-122. Uh, well, they got vets, and they've been here before. So I would think that the Celtics have the same excuse that they've been here before, but I guess it's a different team from the one that they had before. This Toronto team is basically the same team as last year, just minus you know Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that's a big piece to lose, but clearly they're not really missing a beat. Um, I mean, Kyle Lowry has been here for a decade and people still haven't given him respect, but I mean, I hope, I hope he's getting respect now because he's been one of the main reasons that they pushed it to game seven because he's come up big last game, the game before, like he's hitting big shots and that's the name of the game. You need guys to come in and hit big shots in the playoffs because I mean, when it comes down to it, it's either you win or go home. And it's about who wants it more. And right now it looks like Lowry wants it more than Kemba because, hey, Kemba, you can't be putting up five points when you're up 3-2 and expect nobody to get on you because I'm sure. Minutes, 52 minutes of playing and five points. I think your son could put up five points in 52 minutes. Next. I mean, I think that. P.J. Tucker, he could do that, and it's a little more useful because at least he's going to play some defense. Kemba, I don't know. He'll, he's not scoring points, and if he's not doing that, then he's just a fly out there. When it comes to, to Laurie, 33 points, he now is has passed Vince Carter for having the most 30-point um, games and elimination games. 
are we at this point? Can we put him in that conversation of currently some of the, the clutch players in the NBA? Is he in that conversation? Like you said, the respect. We hear it all the time. We hear Dane. We hear Steph. We hear Melo. We hear Braun. Not often they bring up Lowry, and he's been the closest for them since uh, Kawhi left. I mean, you could put him up there. Uh, I think that they need to win game seven, and hopefully he has a good game. Then uh, he could be put in that category because he was big in that stretch run last year. He was big previous years. I mean, he, he did struggle in the playoffs a little bit before last year, but now it looks like he kind of got over that hump and he's a little more comfortable out there. He's not, he's not pressing anymore. Like he knows his spots. He knows how to, to score the bucket, score the basket. So, I mean, he is clutch. He's clutch for this Raptors team, especially a team that just lost like top three player in the NBA in Kawhi Leonard. And for them to still finish second in the East and for them to come back from a three, one deficit to push it to game seven. That's, I mean, we, we got to give credit to Kyle there. I mean, he, he, he doesn't get enough credit, in my opinion. Speaking of with them possibly having to, you know, come out and win tonight, I can't say Kyle Lowry hasn't been able to show up in this uh, series. I mean, maybe one or two games where he didn't play well. Van Vliet's been playing well. Norman Powell's been playing good off the bench. Their guards pretty much have been carrying and shouldering the load. Um do you feel maybe the Celtics have exposed Siakam, who has struggled pretty much this whole series for somebody that, you know, they were crowning to be probably one of the next stars, superstars um, in the league. He hasn't really shown up this series, which I think if any game, game seven, we need more than 12 from uh, Siakam, take off some of that load from him. From Lowry, I can't imagine you feel me. Brad Stevens is gonna let he gonna come up with some defensive scheme on Lowry. So honestly, Pascal, I didn't really see him. He, he's good. He's really good. I didn't see him as like a superstar just yet. And I mean, this isn't proving me wrong. This series because he hasn't really he hasn't really been one of the big X factors for the, the team as he should. I mean, he made the all-star team this year, supposed to be like their best player, but like you said, he's, I don't know if he's been exposed, but some, some teams know how to play you better than others. Like the Celtics, they're a little more familiar with him than say the Golden State Warriors would be. That's same with Giannis against the Heat. Like they're more familiar with him than, some of these other teams like it, he dominated in that first round, but the heat, they got good coaching. They know his strengths and they know his weaknesses too. And that's the same with Siakam. He's not really a post guy. He's more of a, at this point he can shoot, he can do a lot of things, but he's not one of those like one-on-one -on -one players. He's not like Jason Tatum. He's not like, Kawhi, he's not like a lot of these guys who can really get their own bucket without, you know, screens and and a lot of movement on, on the ball. So Pascal, he's good. He's really good. But this is kind of showing that he's still he's still got a ways to go before he, he really can be put in that like elite category. Because, I mean, for small forwards, he's probably a top 10 small forward right now. But there's a lot of guys that I'd be a lot more afraid of than him on that list. I think tonight the Celtics get finally get over that, that hump. They get back into the conference finals. I'm choosing the Celtics winning this game with a close one. Who are you picking for this game seven? I mean, I'm going, I, I want to go with the Celtics because Jason Tatum, that's my boy. But honestly, it's tough. Like you can't really go against the Raptors. Like they got the great coach, Nick Nurse, and they've got the deep bench, the deep team, and they've already come back from a three-one deficit. Like they're the ones who they're playing with house money right now. Nobody expected them to even make it this far. As far as the series, I thought that they'd make it to the conference finals, but 
once the series started to play out, I'm thinking, all right, maybe Celtics, they got their number, but then they came back. They, they made it a series and now it's win or go home. And my pick is the Raptors. I got Raptors by three or four. Yeah. It, Raptors are playing with house money. The pressure is definitely on the Celtics in their court. Um, I'm just, I think this will be the year you feel me that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum could get back to that, that year when he was in the conference finals. Um, and hopefully Hayward back gives them some help in that next round against Miami. Um, transitioning another series that we didn't think this, but it started off the underseed ended up winning the first game, Houston Rockets, Lakers. Lakers are now up 3-1 in the series, 110 to 100. Um, Rondo showed up again. Braun did his thing. Anthony Davis did his thing. Um, I think they fired on all cylinders. Caruso, takeaways from that game, um, takeaways from Daniel House being kicked out of the, the, the bubble, is that I know that's a huge piece for them. Are we, we might as well wrap it up now? I mean, the series was over once they won game game one because I knew the Lakers weren't going to just – it wasn't going to be one of those series where it's a dogfight. I think that they saw their punch in game one. They just needed a game to get adjusted to the style of play. It's a little different than pretty much every other team in the NBA just because they, they, they play a lot of small ball. So with the small ball lineups, it's it's kind of tough. They run a lot. They run out. They, the fast breaks are a little harder to defend just because you have Harden and Westbrook, two guys who get downhill quick and make plays or get their own baskets. But going against like LeBron and AD, and especially when – like I've been saying, they finally like play AD at the, the five more. That lineup is unreal because you can play AD at the five, LeBron at the four, or the three, or Kuzma. And then it's a, a lot more athletic lineup, a lot more mobile because AD can handle it like a guard. And I don't know many centers who are going to be able to D him off the dribble or pull up. So why not go at him? And then – you got P.J. Tucker playing defense on you. Like, you should be killing him every time down. And, I mean, it's starting to happen. Like, LeBron didn't take a, a game off last last night, but he didn't really have one of his, like, dominant performances. Like, it was really, like, A.D. And as a collective, they all played well. But I don't know. For the Rockets, this team is just not – it's not built for success. They just kind of, I feel like they wanted to try this one last thing out to see if it will work. Cause they tried it with Chris Paul and a normal team that has a normal big and they got to the conference finals game seven against the Warriors that, that year didn't make it. And once they realized that maybe us playing this way is not going to get us over the hump, they tried, all right, let's, let's trade our bigs. Let's, Let's play small ball. Let's put P.J. Tucker at the five, and let's see if we can outrun everybody. But it's tough because Harden's not one of those guys who's who's willing to just let other players handle it. They don't have guys out there that are really going to handle it besides maybe Eric Gordon and Westbrook. So it makes it hard for you to – bottom line, <laughs> bottom line, they need to – they need to just scrap this whole team. Westbrook needs to go. Harden's going nowhere with that contract, but Westbrook it was a it was a fun year. They had they had their their little fun with this small ball, you know, OKC reunion, but we need to give it up because it's not working. You need a little more. Westbrook's not the guy to get you to the championship. I don't think. And I've been saying this. I mean, Chris Paul is a better championship point guard than Westbrook. Even though they both don't have championships, the one guy I would want on my team to lead me to a championship is Chris Paul. And you just traded him for Russell Westbrook. And it's kind of showing that, I mean, Westbrook can't shoot. 
or he's inconsistent with his shot and he's not somebody I really trust in crunch time, at least not anymore. Cause he does bonehead plays. He takes bonehead shots. And I mean, I know Harden's probably frustrated, but I mean, that's his boy. They, they pick yeah. out, pick out outfits together. So, you know, <laughs> I feel like they, they he's going to fight it. He's not going to let Westbrook get traded so easily, but it's got to happen. You got to at least try to fix this thing one way or the other. And another coach, maybe. That's the thing. They might try another coach before they get rid of Westbrook just to see if maybe it's D'Antoni style. Like maybe this Chuck threes with no defense is not something that works in the NBA, which, I mean, he has no ring. So clearly that's self-explanatory right there. Yeah, when it comes to them, um, Dan Tony is on his last year anyhow, so technically he's going into free agency for himself. Um, I think he's going to wait to see how they play it out. Really, Donovan. I, I want to see him in in, in Houston. Like that, fire Dean and Tony tomorrow night after the game's over. Let him go. Start negotiating with Billy Donovan because they need a real coach. Like. Billy Donovan actually showed that he can coach. Like, he was good in Florida, got the two rings. He's shown that he's a good coach over in OKC because they've given him superstars, and then they take him away, and he's still able to lead them to the playoffs. And all. They really should have beat Houston, I think. I had them beating Houston, but, I mean, maybe next year if they still have Chris Paul. If not, who knows? But Billy Donovan – he needs to have – he shouldn't be a free agent as far as coaching goes. He's too good, and he knows his stuff. And that's my prediction. I mean, hopefully those people in Houston, if y'all watch our podcast, you can you can relay this message to Daryl Morey, but get, get my man Billy Donovan in there. Yeah, I think also even like you mentioned, the, the, the pickup of Westbrook, it kind of looked weird anyhow because he goes against D'Antoni's system. He shoots majority mid-range. A lot of D'Antoni's offense is threes and layups and free throw line. He does mostly mid-range. He doesn't shoot a high clip of three-pointers. Billy Donovan is rumored what it was is they trying to rebuild. They take a mutual agreement like, nah, this ain't the place for me. As you said, he's coached superstars and then out-coached and over-coached the team that he had this year that nobody – had any chance of being a, a top 10 seed in the West. So Billy Donovan, I think it won't be long before he can get another job. He sh- should still be in OKC. But uh, other game is going on right now. As we speak, Clippers Nuggets is 82-80. The Clippers are up. The Clippers was able to pull out that last game, as we expected, 96-85. Uh, my biggest takeaway, my biggest thing that I want to ask about this after the game, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, relayed in his interview um, how he had 15 points in that first half. Reporter asked, you know, was it something that the Clippers defense did? And he said it in plain English. It was the coaching staff, and the coach didn't put the ball in my hands. And I know we have Jokic, and I know we have Murray, but to beat this Clippers team, we have – to share the wealth, basically. It can't just be a two-man game. What are your thoughts on Michael Porter Jr.'s comments? Was it right? Should he have said that? Should that have been something handled in the locker room? What's your takeaways from the rookie's comments? Look, he's not wrong with what he said. Because, I mean, if you look at it, for the most part, this team is really top heavy the way Jamal and Jokic really just, it's either them, it's either one or the other. It's not really a team matchup. Like, like he said, he scored 15 points or like you said, he scored 15 points in the first half. You think, let, let me get him involved. Let me, that put takes pressure off of me. That opens things up for me. If I'm like Murray or Jokic, if he's playing well, because clearly he's shown that he's he's really good. I mean, he had a couple 35-point games early in the bubble, so clearly he's not blowing smoke, and he's not somebody who's calling for the rock for no reason. But the only, the only reason that people have an issue and it's wrong is because he said it in public to the media. 
because I'm sure if he said that in the locker room, then I'm sure some people would agree with him. But you're almost calling your two best players out for the whole world to see that you're not happy with how things are, whether that's they don't pass the ball enough to you or to everybody on the team in general. That's just not a good look, especially being down 3-1 and you're trying to come back in the series and then you have, I, don't, I guess, divisive comments. That and, you out, and you call out the coaching staff, basically, which that's not a good look. And uh, I don't know many coaches uh, that like to be called out. And just like the players, don't know why you want to be called out in the media, you feel me? I think his approach was wrong. Was he wrong in what he said? No. Um, I think it was funny. The reporter had a follow-up question asking, like, so do you think you could have done anything better? Could you have cut? Could you have got it on the offensive boards? Could you have done anything else? That's where I think also he has to look in the mirror. Uh, I was having this discussion with um, my man John on Twitter. We was talking about it. As a 6'10 guard, basically, why aren't you doing everything else to get buckets? Like, we know this is not nothing new. This is how the team has been built. They're top-heavy. It's, the it's a two-man game, and everybody else play off of them. But I don't You feel me? Like, you find other ways to affect the game. So, Michael Porter, you didn't get the ball in the second half. Could you have played some D? Could you have got some rebounds? Could you have did something else? So to me, I've been there. It's it's kind of like that. I'm not in the league, but it, it just sounds like that young player that is only tunnel vision. Like, yo, give me the ball, and we would have won the game. I think even he got some more touches. They wanted to win the game. I just don't know how. I'm intrigued to see where this goes from. Like, hopefully, he pieces it up with his teammates and he pieces it up with the coaching staff because that's not really, you know, the best, best way. It's not, but I mean, forget piecing it up. We're one game away from going out the bubble. That's the point. Like, I don't think he's, he's trying to like divide the team, but he's trying to like, it's a sense of urgency. Like we can't play this two man game like we're in the regular season and we got like 55 other games to play. Like we got like every game is do or die basically. And the way we're going to win is if we move the ball. And I mean, the stars are going to have to be the stars. Like Jamal carried this team to the, the second round, but now it's a better team. So now that 50, those 50 balls that he had are not going to happen because this is a better defensive team. One, two, the Clippers, they're not just going to let you score 50 points on them. They're going to – you got Marcus Morris, who I'm surprised he hasn't gotten thrown out of any games yet for, you know, <laughs> throwing a little elbow here and there. But come on. Like the Nuggets, y'all y'all on the brink of defeat. Don't – this should not even be something that they even – maybe talk about for like a minute. But don't let this distract you from – like you gotta win the game tonight. And what's the score now? It's they up right now, 89-88. Michael Porter Jr. has not scored a bucket as of yet, but he does have a plus eight on the plus minus right now. So he's doing something positive in the game. Um I think it also factors in is because he's a rookie. I think it was somebody else. You feel me? If Murray came out and said this, maybe or you know, you heard players like LeBron, Kobe. When you got a little bit more skin in the game, cachet, and you're proven, I don't think, it, you know, you feel me? It's kind of just like it's brushed over. It's not taken as serious, especially in a game like this. We're going to look at whenever this game is finished, six minutes left. You say this in the game before, after the interview, you pull up with a, a zero, a donut, you feel me? So I think if he had a little bit more skin in the game, somebody that had was proven, like, all right, yeah, give Michael Porter Jr. the ball. He's been proven to be consistent walking bucket. This still technically really is, you feel me? He's still getting 
what, 20, 25 games in the, his rookie year, basically, because he was out with the injury. So I think if he had more staying, you feel me, this wouldn't even be a conversation. People wouldn't say nothing about it. Um, the Clips right now lose about three, 91-88. They are rumored to be in the running where Giannis Antetokounmpo. What are your thoughts on the Clippers even being in this conversation of possibly pursuing Giannis, who has said he is not leaving next year? He is still under contract. He wants to stay in Milwaukee. I think it's just people trying to start stuff. I mean, one. I, it just makes me think like, damn, nobody wants to compete anymore. I guess we just want to build superstars. Like this is, <laughs> we're picking up guys for our NBA 2K team or something. Cause at this point, that's what it's looking like. You want to, all right, let me, I'm going to draft Paul George and Kawhi. And then I'm, I'm going to trade for, for Giannis, for, for Patrick Beverly. Like what are we doing at this point? Like you just adding, pieces for no reason like, I get it there's a reason but I mean of course you're gonna win if you got the best players we saw that in Golden State like they it was overkill with Kevin Durant you're getting the second best player in the league and you already got a guy with two MVPs you got Clay Thompson so that's an example of like do we want to see this happen again like I don't want to see that happen again I think this has been the best year in years as far as like a little more even playing field more parity yeah there's not all these teams with like three superstars on one team that it's like that one run where it was Cavs Warriors every year like can we see somebody else like can can y'all just not win these series so we can have some some different champions but no some of these teams they want to just stack the deck against everybody else and and then just let the chips fall where they may but I just don't understand it I I I wouldn't be down with that I don't I don't like joining forces with people when if we can't get it together then let's figure out another way that's what people don't do anymore like Dame I give him credit because he's never wanted to leave he's never thought about leaving he's never thought of like Hey, let me bring Giannis over here, or let me see if LeBron will come to Portland. He's not – he's trying to, like, build it however they, they can. And we'll see if that ever works. But it just shows that, I mean, in this era, a lot of people don't want to compete, I feel like. They would rather let – me, let me recruit this guy. Let me, let me recruit this, this former MVP to come play with us and – and see what happens. But no, if he went to the Clippers, then I don't know. I, I might not, I might just watch Knicks games the whole year. I don't want to see anything else. I'm not worried about any other teams. Just as long as my Knicks are showing some progress, then I'll be happy. But if a superstar like that goes to a team that's already probably going to make the finals this year, then that's where you almost need like a Chris Paul situation where the, the commissioner or Adam Silver needs to come in and be, just veto that that stuff. Because honestly, who's going to want to watch that? Like Clippers against, let's say, that Celtics team. Like, mm. do, we, do we honestly think that that team with Giannis won't sweep that Celtics team? Like, no, that's going to be an easy sweep. So where, where are we going to get – some competitiveness back into the league. When are we going to just see guys, it's fine to have a twosome, but like the threesome is a little excessive because then your team could be too good. I think if we'd have to see how it would pan out, I wouldn't want to watch it if he is him, Kawhi and Paul George. But if they did a trade and sent Paul George to Milwaukee, I think that would feel me. I think he little bit more bearable to swallow that. Um, I think also when you think about it, like you have to give 
props would be low key unfair though, because of course, of, of course, you got to give props to Dame and people like Giannis who want to stay with their organization. And if somebody comes organically and naturally, cool. If somebody comes like through trade, cool. If somebody, if Paul George is like, yo, you know what? I ain't really rocking with Kawhi. I'm done with this. I'm gonna go somewhere else. Cool. That's completely different than you feel me, him going to the Clippers and let's put all three of us together. So if that happened, I won't watch any Clippers games. Uh, would, I would have no interest of watching that because it really would be no point. Um, something that they talking about, which we got to give you props. We got to pull it up from the old episode. You mentioned CP3 going to Milwaukee would be a nice fit. Literally two days after you say that, rumors are swirling that CP3 might be traded to Milwaukee. I don't know if you are becoming, you know. I'm the source. That's who. That's, that's where they're getting the source from. <laughs> you, you the, you're becoming the Black Woj. Uh, <laughs> the Black Woj. We got the Black Woj on the show. So, Is that my new Twitter name? Do I have to change it? Black Woj? <laughs> We might have to. You've been, you've been on fire lately with calling out different trades and fantasy and all that. So we might have to call you the Black Wolves. Do you think getting a CP3 would put them over the hump to get into the finals for them? Because I think in what it looks like, them letting Billy Donovan go, you obviously are not trying to win. So CP3 seems like will be somebody that's available. You think that CP3 – depending on, you know, the pieces they got to give up would be the hump to get them over. I think so. I mean, maybe not to, like, fully win a championship, but if Chris Paul goes there, then you at least have somebody you trust to handle the, the ball and the point guard duties so that Giannis doesn't have it constantly. And then he's – I feel like he could be even more dangerous without the ball in his hand because pick and roll, that's – that's a little unfair. Him, as athletic as he is, him and CP3, that would be deadly. Like, with, with Bledsoe, I don't I – I never really liked that pairing just because I know Bledsoe's not really a shooter. He's more of, like, the slasher type. But Chris Paul, he's, he's got that killer instinct, something that Giannis hasn't had on his team probably since he's been there. Um, and Chris Paul, it's about time that he joins forces with, like, a really good player that's not just going to dribble it 50 times and shoot from 40 feet out like somebody that we know. But um, Giannis, he'll play a little different. And I think that, as we've seen, wherever Chris Paul goes, they get better. And that's just – he's got the it factor. Like, he's one of those rare point guards that you can bring on a team and – not even play any games. It automatically adds wins to your season, like off rip. And this team won 57 games this year or maybe more, but they were the best team in the league. There's no reason that they should be getting knocked out in the second round with the back-to-back MVP. I'm going to say it. I'm going to keep saying it. Once they announce it, then. This is the worst time to get the MVP. It is, it is, it is. But um, I just think that if you bring him in, you'll have him, Giannis, Middleton. And that's the other thing, too. They need to stop making Middleton Kevin Love and just a spot-up shooter. Like, he's he can post up. He can get it off the dribble. His mid-range, as we've seen, is nasty. But he's not, like, a superstar. So Giannis doesn't – he's playing with – a bunch of like secondary players, a lot of role players. He's not, he doesn't have that second superstar or that star alongside him to take the pressure off. So, I mean, everybody can get on Giannis for how he played in this series, but it's a little tough when, I mean, it's either you pass it to Middleton or Bledsoe. And I mean, I don't know if I have confidence in either one to hit that shot. So, I think CP3 is just a winner. I think that'll help them. Um, I think something that needs to be looked at, too, after this season, 
you got to look at maybe it's the coach. Maybe it's Coach Bud um, after this. Like, they don't progress next season and in the playoffs. Coach Bud is doing his thing in the regular season, even when he was coaching in Atlanta. The team that they have set up and the player that they have in Giannis, that isn't acceptable. So at some point, maybe next season, you won't have to, you know, look at Coach Bud as somebody being culpable for their uh, their struggles when it comes to the playoff time. Update, Clippers are down 102-96, 2.30 left in the fourth quarter. It's looking like Denver is able to be a force. A game six. Um, they just came back from 3-1 in the last series, so we can't count them out. I just can't see Doc Rivers letting that happen to his squad. I can't see Kawhi letting that happen, who's balling out right now, 31-8 and 3 still, so can't see that happening. Um, we're going to transition to the next segment right here. We already know it's the flag on the play segment. Flag on the play we already know it's accept or decline. We're going to go through some topics. If Miles decides to accept, I'll further give information on this topic. If he decides to decline, we just move on to the next one. You ready for this first one? I'm ready. Odell Beckham, defecation. What are my options? Accept. <laughs> we talk about it or decline, move to the yeah. next one. I don't. Want, I don't have nothing to say about that topic because, nope, I'm not getting into it. I'm not getting baited into talking about that Odell stuff. All right, I'm glad you passed that. That one. That's uh, uh, yeah. We know. We're gonna just pass that one. Um, next one. Paul Pierce saying he would average fifty in today's uh, NBA. I don't know where he gets these. I I get he's being like he's over exaggerating. He's saying that he would. I get what he means. Like he he would be a bucket right now, which I mean it's a little softer in the NBA. So of course, I mean he'll get more free throws. He'll probably he would probably average like twenty five thirty, but fifty like only person I ever believed that would do that is Michael Jordan and. I mean, he's a little old to be coming back again. So, I mean, Paul, you, you're not, you're not doing it. Like we already saw you in that horse competition. You, you don't got a bounce. The bounce is gone. So, unless you, you play like Wizards, Michael Jordan, then it's a wrap. You're not, you're not doing what you think you're gonna do. And, and there's no team that's gonna give him that amount of shots either. So. But if we're talking about prime Paul jo Paul Pierce, then, Paul Pierce. then it's, it's, it's still a no. <laughs> it's yeah. still a no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe 23, 24 and a half. I can't see anywhere near 50. He might not even get a 50. He might not even get a 50 clip in the season. I don't see that happening. Has he ever averaged over 30 points a game for a season? No. I don't think so. No. Then how could you know. even like he just he's just talking like just how he hates on LeBron. He he says stuff. I guess it must be a Celtic thing because Kendrick Perkins says some crazy stuff every once in a while. But like if you never averaged over thirty points, you can't talk about averaging fifty in any era. Because I mean Michael Jordan averaged like close to forty in that eighties era when it was a little less blowing of the whistle and more throwing fists because. It got physical. So if you couldn't play in that era, that's where you should be more worried about if you could play in that era. This era, I mean, you shouldn't be worried about being able to score points. But yeah, there's nothing to brag about. Because if Harden's able to just every year put up 35 points a season, clearly you could look in, in between those numbers and you see that he shoots maybe 15 free throws a game. It's a whistle blown every five minutes for him. So – that's that's how people score nowadays. But to say you'd average fifty, like Stephen A. said, you gotta stay off the weed. <laughs> oh. uh, 
Next one, Travis Scott has a deal with McDonald's, accept or decline? I mean, I guess I'll accept it because it's funny because it's like some $6 meal. Like it's just a burger and what? Fries and burger fries and a drink. Um, I think I think it's huge for him. Uh, for him, yeah. But it doesn't like, I'm sure people order that order every day. So now it's just like, all right, my meal is the Travis Scott meal. Like, all right, that's cool. But it's his customized burger. I mean, it's is not per se on the menu before this. What's so, what's so customized about it though? Like, did he put his spe- special Houston sauce on it or something? Did he like? Nah, I think it's just the. I think he got bacon on it. Um, it's just different. Bacon, mustard, ketchup, two slices of cheese. Uh, I think it's huge. I don't really eat McDonald's like that. Yeah. I think. Just to support, I might pull up, buy one for the one time, $6, not that bad of a price. Hey, um, maybe one of these nights when I'm coming back from Jersey City or Hoboken and I'm a little, I'm a little lit, maybe I'll stop at McDonald's and be like, let me get that Travis Scott. <laughs> uh, next one, ex-New York Jet, Josh Bellamy, brought up with some federal charges, except Decline. I'm declining it. I don't want to. <laughs> he, was a, he was a bum anyway, so I don't want to talk about him any more than I have to. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, prayers out to those that were affected by his decisions. Um, yeah, that. Because oh, you're in the NFL. Like, you got, you're making millions already. And you don't even, you're a receiver and you don't even play receiver on this team. You played special teams. So. He needed the money. He needs the money. We gave him more than we should have. A million is too much for him because he he's not out there catching passes. He's tackling people. So you need to change that position because you're not catching anything. You're catching a case now, but you couldn't catch well, any passes with the Jets. Well, he got cut. Y'all got to worry about that. Uh, last one, except with the decline. KD on why he didn't go to the Knicks and decided Brooklyn. I feel attacked right now. This is real personal. These last few are real personal. Um, I guess I'll accept it. What what did he say? One of the reasons Katie said he did not go, he said, first off, the Knicks noise was media driven. He never planned to go to to the Knicks. He wanted to live in New York. I felt like Brooklyn was everything I'm about. Chill on the low, all black, everything. We quiet, just focus on basketball. There is no show when you come to our games. There's no Madison Square, Mecca, all of that ish. We just going to hoop. Take away. It's just mind-blowing because he could have honestly just dispelled all these rumors that last year in Golden State and just came out and said, yeah, I don't really have any interest in going to the Knicks. Like, some players do that. They're just like, no, that's that's not my team. I'm not for that. But him not saying anything, that makes it more likely that he probably was going to come to New York. But then he tore his Achilles and didn't want to deal with that pressure. So he decided to go to Brooklyn, where clearly there's no pressure. Like, that, that building looks empty 95% of the time. And the lighting is terrible there. I'm not hating on Brooklyn, but – it's not New York. Like, if you win in Brooklyn, it's cool. But if you win in Madison Square Garden, you're a legend. So some people, they could deal with that. They, they want that pressure. Like, Melo, he wanted that added pressure. He, he worked for that. And for a couple of years, he had us looking real good. We were second in the East. But, I mean, it's not for everybody. Clearly, KD... He's made some questionable decisions in his career. This is probably the second most questionable one. I mean, we know the first one. But, yeah, it's just funny that he's coming out now and saying this, and he's so bold saying it now to try to bash the Knicks and say, oh, I had no interest. Like, who wants to play there? Like, I don't have to worry about the media circus. Like, 
come on. If, if you want to be a great legend in the sport and coming off of you basically cheating your way to two rings, why not go to MSG and revive a, a franchise that's been dead for 20 years? Like we haven't done anything. Well, maybe not 20 years, but we haven't been to the finals in 20 years. Like, why not come here? You go to Brooklyn where there's a little less noise, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to poke at you. Like the, the media over by the Knicks is going to, you're not going to see the front page or the sports section of the daily news with your face and some, some wild caption. You're not going to really see that in Brooklyn, but if you're in New York, like even if we're not winning, they still bring us up on first take. They still talk about us on first take. They don't, they talk about Brooklyn. I mean, I'll just say this. They're little, they're little bro. They're always going to be little bro. They could win right now. They could make it to the conference finals, but if they don't win a ring, even if they win a ring, they'll still be little bro. Cause once the Knicks come back up, then you might even forget that Brooklyn has a basketball team. Cause I mean, this is a Knicks town, just like it's a Yankees town. Like we don't care about those other teams across the, across the city. You're irrelevant. So he chose irrelevancy over being king of New York. That's all it comes, comes down to. You'd rather be in somewhere where it's a little quiet rather than, you know, feed on that pressure, embrace it. Like some people can embrace that, but I don't think Katie's one of those people. Cause clearly if it, if he was, he wouldn't have left a OKC like that. He wouldn't have gone to golden state and played with three all-stars and whoever else they had on that team. And if he really was about that life, then he would come to New York. And I'm not counting Brooklyn as part of New York. They're cool, but we're called the New York Knicks. We're not called the Manhattan Knicks. So if you went over here, you're a god, but hey, one of these one one of these days a superstar will come. So I don't want nobody who's gonna be a, a wimp and and run from that spotlight because that's the only thing about Melo. You can't take anything away from him because he was only he was one of the only players who wanted to come here willingly and try to turn this franchise around, and he did for a couple years. Shout out to Amari Stoudemire too. Yeah, he, he started it. He started it. If only he was healthy, we would have had a good little combo right there. But, you know, that typical Knicks luck over the last 20 years that he, he gets hurt just as we get mellow to pair with him. But let's not get distracted from Durant not being, I don't want to say man enough to come to New York, but not being strong-minded to know that there's a lot that comes with playing for the Knicks. And if you can't embrace that, then go play for, you know, the junior Nets over there, the junior Knicks. Yeah, I think you hear it all the time. Everybody loves to play in Madison Square Garden, but to actually play for that team is a whole other level. And a lot of people can't deal with the media, deal with the pressure that's there. So – Hey, that could have been a part of the process. Is anybody going, you know, openly say that? No, nah, I couldn't deal with the pressure. More than likely not. So I see where you did there. It is what it is. Uh, transitioning. <laughs> transition. NFL back. Opening night. Um, Chiefs was able to pull out the game. Biggest takeaway before we even go into the stats and, you know, how Mahomes did and Watson. The – Chiefs and the Texans started off the game uh, locked in arms to show unity against, you know, racial injustice, um, the issues with the police, uh, police brutality, and they were booed. Uh, the Chiefs had fans there, and the fans booed the players for showing unity. Um, takeaways from that, first off, and then we could talk about the game, but to me, that's the biggest most important part of this uh, game. It just shows the beautiful NFL and how the fans, y'all still don't get it. They, they, they still don't get it. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was going to say. They don't, 
they still don't get it clearly because even nobody's kneeling, nobody's doing anything. They're not dis disrespecting the flag. They're holding, arm, they're linked arm, arms in arms as a sign of unity. They're not, they could have done a lot worse. They could have not showed up out on the field for the anthem. They could have all been kneeling on in the middle of the field while holding hands, but they didn't do that. They chose a more peaceful way that people could embrace. But clearly, I guess, I mean, Kansas City fans, they, that might be a place that's heavy on the Trump more so than the Obama. So honestly, I wasn't surprised by it just because, I mean, that area is not really one of those areas that's well known for, you know, things like this, dealing with racial injustice. But uh, I know I saw that they didn't really ask questions about that after the game, like Mahomes. I was, I was hoping that they would ask a question like that. Like, oh, what'd you think of the pregame? And have one of them actually be honest. Like, uh, it kind of shocked me that they booed. Like, I would want, I would have wanted Mahomes to speak on that. I don't know if he did or not, but I would have wanted Mahomes, the face of the NFL at this point, to speak on that topic. And they allow one of the few teams that allows fans in their arena. Exactly. And first night, you guys boo. Like, it just shows that there's people out there in America, even peaceful protests, which, I mean, I guess the, this can be considered one of those, is met with offense. And it's unfortunate that the beginning of the season, before we even kick the football, is met with booze. And that just, that definitely leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths because I mean, that's the thing with the NBA. There's no fans. You don't have that. You're not going to see people booing whatever they do or booing the stuff on the back of their jerseys. But if they have fans at the NFL, I mean, a lot of these fans support Trump. So they're going to boo this. They're going to be against some of these tactics that the players are going to do. And that's fine. It's not... It's not like it's nothing that we've we haven't seen before. I mean, it just even goes back to like the sit-ins in the '60s. Like, not everybody's gonna agree with your tactics, but you're gonna hear me and you're gonna see me, and whether you like it or not, I'm here, and it's it's all love. At at some point, it'll be all love, but for now, it's a little it's a little murky out here in this in this country. Yeah, that just shows the NFL. I think the NBA have fans. I just feel the NBA fan, the NBA community is way more progressive than the NFL. I mean, I don't think it would have happened. This is, again, NFL. Um, we even had the Dolphins players came out with a video basically saying that they think this is all smokescreen, that the NFL is just saving face. So that wasn't surprising. <laughs> That they are, because I mean, this was this is almost like deja vu of five years ago, and Kaepernick did what he did and took a took a stand, even though he was kneeling. He's taking a stand for against racial injustice, and it took them like five years. It took them for video footage of a man being choked to death for them to come out in support of that. Like that's. It's kind of like a backhanded, not compliment, but backhanded reaction because you, you're reacting because everybody else is reacting, not because you believe in what happened and you believe something's wrong. You're reacting because you're trying to protect your bottom line, and that's the money coming in, the making sure the players are happy, even though, I mean, if I'm like – I play for a team like the Cowboys. I know I don't know if I'd be happy because my owner or the person who owns the team, we don't have owners anymore. The person who owns the team, he won't even come out and take a stance on something that's so simple. Like he actually it's funny you mentioned him. He actually came out 
uh, I believe yesterday on a radio show, his stance on it was basically, um, I don't have the quote in front of me, basically he said he wants his players to be careful of how they approach this because he's concerned with the fans and not losing out on the fans and the views because he knows there's a lot of fans that want to see Dallas lose. And we also have a lot of fans that want to see us win. So we don't want to basically offend. Yeah. So, I mean, which gives me, that's a Jerry Jones type of answer. I'm not going to tell y'all what y'all doing is wrong. I'm not going to say what y'all doing is right. Just be careful. Don't mess my product up. Pretty much, which I'm not surprised by that. I mean, I'm sure he wasn't one of those people who actually came out in support of Kaepernick and he would have never done that. So it doesn't really surprise me that that's his stance on, on things. Yeah. The Chiefs won that game 34, 20. Um, before we even talk about that again, because you mentioned Cap, what's your thoughts on Cap being put in Madden now and his celebration is the fist? It's just the same thing I was saying. It's just you, it's too little too late. Like, you guys want to recognize him now and all this stuff when you should have recognized him when he – was doing what he did. Like he, it's been five years. You blackballed him. You took his career away. And you think putting him in a video game and making him do a, a protest that he's never done before one. So it almost, it looks dumb. It, it looks dumb, but I don't know, man. It's <laughs> Madden, Jerry Jones, all these people. I hope they eventually get it. Because that's not the point of this whole thing. Like, you putting Kaepernick in a video game so he could put up a fist for his celebration. Like, that's not changing anything. That doesn't, that's not what we want. That's not what anybody wants. Is everybody wants change. And you recognizing him now is doing what? It doesn't really do anything. It just shows that he was right this whole time. And, I mean, for him to do that in a video game, it's kind of, it's just funny because, I mean, would he do that? I don't know. But now you're just putting him in a, a game that he hasn't been in for five years. And you're also giving him this crazy rating of an 81, which, I mean, I don't know many quarterbacks who are going to be an 81 after not playing for five years. But that's almost like them still sucking up to him as well like we're gonna you know give you the rating that maybe you had when you left the league and we're gonna give you a celebration that's for the cause but it's like it's a video game like i don't care about that i don't i know i got friends who play madden but i don't play that so it's not like that affects me like if i didn't if i never played the game and if i never saw screenshots of it i would have never known that they had kaepernick doing that and that just makes that even dumber that they put that in the game, and I think it would, I think it would have been more impactful if y'all want to do that, have him actually kneel because that's what his thing was. That would have been more impactful. It makes me think also too of how a lot of these companies, these video games, the the different restaurants were saving face because you know Matt was one of the first one of the video games that you know had the whole message like two K Black Lives Matter. We care about Black Lives. But was it really that, or you just were saving face because all the companies were doing it and it was the fad to do? So, hey, oh, Madden posted it. Oh, Halo posted it. Oh, Call of Duty posted it. They really rock with us. Really? Can we really say that? It's nice that they put it up, but in a situation like this, you decide to put him in the game now. He's been a free agent for the last five years. Y'all could have stayed in the game. Y'all put him in the game now. It just seems a lot of saving face, and it seems uh, beneficial to them. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it would have been more of an impact if you had him kneeling. Um, that's just what it is. Transitioning to end the show with some fantasy talk, some money talk. With this week, 
um, with some of these lineups, who do you have as people for your starters and quarterback and running back? Who do you see are some breakout players in fantasy possibly this week one? Well, I do like Tyrod Taylor. I think that he'll have a good fantasy week because, I mean, he's one of the few dual fuel, uh, few, few dual threat quarterbacks in the NFL that can run and throw it. I mean, he, he's never been a Mahomes when it comes to passing, but for fantasy, you don't really need that. You got, if your guy can rush for like 50, 60 yards, that's, that's enough to possibly win you your week. And he's got a good matchup against the Bengals this week. So I think that he'll have a good week. Well, so let, me, let me look at my, my fantasy teams. I like – I mean, I like David Johnson from last night. I like DJ Chark as a receiver for the, the Jaguars. I just think that they're going to be worse than awful this year, which means that they're going to have to throw it probably 99% of the game, which – I mean, as a receiver and a quarterback in fantasy, that's kind of what you want to hear. You don't care if they win in real life. You care if they're, like, putting up crazy stats because that's how you win. But like, I don't care if the Jaguars win more than two games. If they're putting up crazy numbers, then, you know, I'll root for them, even though they're losing and that's my, not my team, but I'm going to root for them. And who else? I what like what defense you starting this week? I'm rocking with the Niners. I like – I mean, that's kind of an easy one. That's not like one of those ones you have to really think about. You Just don't think about how pitch will be able to get off? Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think so. Just because – I mean, they might. Let me not say I don't think so. Because they might. Just because they do have more pieces this year. Kyler's got an extra year under his belt. Maybe he sees stuff differently this year, but that 49ers defense was legendary last year, and it almost single-handedly got them a Super Bowl ring, if not for, you know, Jimmy G laying an egg in the second half, which, I mean. Only brought them up because uh, I was checking them out. Last year, the Cardinals – Murray and them was able to have some of their best offensive games against the 49ers. Why? Don't know, but that's some of their best offensive games last year. And I'm just thinking, you know, with the addition of Hopkins, maybe they'd be able to get get a little flowing. Um, any of these games you like concerning the money line, the spread, what's your uh, – All right, let's, let's take a look. Let me, let me go through these games for Sunday. I like – I like Seattle minus two and a half against the Falcons. I just think that any team led by Russell Wilson most times is going to cover that. And the Falcons didn't really do that well last year, but we'll see. I, I just like the, the Seahawks with that, that low spread. I think that they'll be able to cover that easily. Um, For those who don't know, Seahawks, you said minus two. That means they got to win by three. Yep, they got to win by three. If they don't, then Falcons technically I win. I see that happening. Seahawks do yeah, I see that happening. And, I mean, it's tempting, the Sunday night game, but I do like Cowboys to win off the bat, I hope, because, I mean, the Rams, they lost Todd Gurley. I don't know. I'm, I'm just not as confident. Like, since they made that Super Bowl run two years ago, they didn't look that good last year. And Jared Goff, I don't know if he's that good of a quarterback. He's a little overpaid. And that would kind of give me a little pause with negotiating with Dak is that, I mean, once you pay him, they got to earn that money. And I don't know if Goff can honestly earn that money because he's making $33 million a year. And he's he's average to me. But I do like the Cowboys in that game. I do like, fantasy-wise, I like Michael Gallup. I just think that 
I mean, Amari Cooper's been battling an injury. Yeah, C.D. Lamb too. But Gallup, he was kind of the de facto number one for a few games last year because Amari had trouble staying healthy and knock on wood, but it looks like it might be starting again this year where off the bat he's dealing with a hamstring, even though he's going to play. But he's going against Jalen Ramsey. Michael Gallup's not. So I'd, I'd take whatever matchup Michael Gallup has or CD has over <laughs> Amari going against the highest paid corner in the league. And then let's just pick some Monday games. I do like the Steelers minus six. I think that's that's generous. Well, I mean, it's it's a little low. I, I would have expected it to be more against the Giants just because I don't think the Giants are that good. I think that it's a team mainly built around Saquon and a hope that Daniel Jones can be good. But we'll see. They got a tough schedule. They got a great defense they're going against this this week. And that doesn't really give me any confidence in the Giants, even though they're going to be home, which, I mean, in normal years, that would that would help some teams out. But if you don't have fans, then you're in trouble. You don't have that crowd noise to to really get under the, the away team skin. So I like Steelers minus six. And then let me pick another one. Buccaneers Saints. Let's uh, let's get a little crazy. Buccaneers are <laughs> underdogs in this one, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take them with the points minus plus three and a half. I mean, maybe even buy it up to like four and a half, five. I just think that I mean Tom's hungry. They got weapons on Tampa, and. I mean, this this could set the tone. If they win, then maybe maybe they got something over here. But if they lose, then it's a division game. You lost to the Saints, and that's kind of – It's a bad way to start. It's a bad way to start, yeah, like you said. It's a bad way to start. So that's same thing with my Jets. I'm hoping that they, they can pull it out. It's, I didn't put them there because I don't want to put any more pressure on them. I want them to go into week one with no pressure of me putting money on them. I'm not betting on them. I'm just going to root, root for them as a fan. <laughs> All right, there's Miles picks right there. Uh, just a little update for those. I mean, you probably won't see it in real live time, but we talked about it. Michael Porter Jr. showed up huge in the clutch. He hit a three-pointer that put him up five, and then he hit the free throws, four free throws to end the game out. So he had zero leading up to that, but the last two minutes they put him in. Michael Porter Jr. ends up with, I believe, he ended up with a total of seven points. Quick seven, he had a huge three-pointer and four free to end off the game. So it's going to be a game six for that series. But this is the, this episode, this installment right here, as we have said plenty of times before, COVID is still going on. Make sure that you are safe. Secondly, you always have to also make sure that we do not forget Breonna Taylor's killers have not been arrested. Police brutality is still going on. Black lives still do matter. If you are on the bench in life at any point, whether it's your career, sports, whatever you're doing, make sure you stay ready. So when you get off the bench, you're already ready. You feel me? Bench mob, we out. Peace.